Would you open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 8? Acts chapter 8. Uh, there's a lot in the book of Acts. And if you were to read through the book of Acts, you would hear the incredible story of what we would call the apostolic or part of the early church. The early church technically goes from 100 to 650 A.D., but the apostolic church is from the time that Christ left up to about 100 is usually how they historically look at it. So the book of Acts records the acts of the church, the actions of the church that they took during the apostolic period. So in chapter 8, we pick that up. Now, to give you a little background, in chapter 7, we had the stoning of Stephen. And Stephen, being the first Christian martyr, there may have been others, but he was his significance of his death is because there in the book of Acts, in chapter 7, is the story, the incredible story, of how he highlights how Christ was part of the great plan all through the Old Testament. And as they get down to the very end of it, as they get down to it, the Sanhedrin got so upset that they went and started uh, getting so angry, they dragged him out and they stoned him. At that stoning, at that stoning, we find that there was Saul who was there. And he was watching the whole thing. He was holding his coats. Saul was a very educated man, educated from, well, a very devout Jew. And the Bible says in chapter 8, if you're looking at verse 1, and it said there, and Saul approved of their killing him. He thought that was the appropriate, appropriate way to take care of these new believers. As they were going. All right, so let's read on just a little bit more in chapter 8. Do you have that? We're going to continue on and look. So that was the background and the setting. And now look what happens at the next part of that first verse. And he said, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the Judea and Samaria. Would you notice that? It looks at All were scattered, except the apostles, all were scattered. It's important that kind of phrasing that in the the book of Acts for what it shares for us about being scattered. He said they were all scattered. But godly men, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him because he was an active, he was a deacon in the church. He was an active worker. Not only did he help with the poor and help feed them, but he also did preaching. And when he stood up and gave that great sermon in Acts chapter 7 that cost him his life, when he gave that great sermon to him, we have learned from him the great closing of the 2300-day prophecy in 34 AD. So here it goes out after them that because of the persecution, verse 3, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them into prison. Now, if you'll notice, there's a man by the name of Tertullian who lived and died. He died in uh, 220 A.D. Tertullian is an early church Christian. Uh, He was what we might say is the third generation or the fourth generation of Christians that grew out of that. He was in Carthage. And Tertullian would say some amazing things. I'm going to give you two today. They're very famous statements for you to look at and the truth. The first one is that the blood of Christians is seed, seed the church. The suffering of the Christians, the blood and the slaughter of Christians is seed. In other words, it makes the church grow. 
He knew, and so he, he would make things and make comments. Well, what are you going to do with all of us Christians? There's so many Christians now. Are you going to feed us to a single lion? You know, there'd be a lion could only eat so many Christians at one time, and it was expensive to keep a lion. Not every uh, community could afford to house a lion and to have people and feed them. And so he would tease them by saying, what are you going to feed all of us to that? You're going to feed all of us to that? He, was, he was quite, had quite a bit of wit to him, but... The blood of Christians is the seed. And it's, it's amazing how true that statement has been from the centuries that have followed. So Saul, reading on, on the road to Damascus, if you follow the story in chapter 9, on the road to Damascus met the Lord. This road goes out over the stag. There's a specific road that goes out of the northern Galilee. Goes out and on his way. And what was his first reaction? And Tertullian comes back and answers, and this, I think, is profound. And Tertullian asks, the first reaction to truth is hatred. The first reaction to truth is hatred. That made me pause and think, isn't that kind of stunning that he would say that In the third century, he would say that the first reaction to truth is hatred. So here was Paul's vision in verse 10 where, excuse me, Peter's vision in verse 10 where he saw the sheet going up and down. If you're familiar with that story, as the sheet came up and down and he realized that God was calling him, oh, I can't eat anything that's unclean. And then God told him and shared with him that he was supposed to go to Cornelius' house. For him to go into Cornelius' house was thought to contaminate himself and to be unclean. You didn't go into a Gentile home because they didn't eat and wash and take care of things like the Jews did ceremonially. ceremonially. And so he would, he would say, oh, I can't do that. But God said, go in. And so he did. So that brings us up to chapter 11. Would you go that? So we're in chapter 11. Now notice how this goes on. So here we're going to see an example here of what's the normal Christian life. What is the normal Christian life? And here we find in Acts chapter 11, if you'll pick up the story with me, in verse 19. Now those who have been scattered. See, this goes all the way back to chapter 8. They were scattered because of the persecution that they were doing to the church. That's all. So those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far away as Phoenicia. They traveled to Cyprus and to Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. If you remember, Jesus said to the Jews first. Remember that? And so they went and said, we're going to share. Why did he do that? He shared them with the Jews first because they already had the background to understand the great prophecies of Scripture. So he would share with them first. They gave him the first opportunity for them to hear the truth. And many of them responded positively. But some of them, like Tertullian has mentioned, that when they heard the truth, there was hatred. And they turned them in. Verse 20, and some of them, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, or to the Gentiles And telling them the good news 
about Jesus. And what is that good news? We get the word gospel from that, the good news, the gospel. That's when we say we're going to share the gospel. It's simply a way of saying the good news. So they're going to share the good news about it. And the hand of the Lord, the Bible says, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed, and they turned to the Lord. Now, we use that kind of phrasing even today as Christians. We would say, well, they've turned to the Lord. They've accepted the Lord. They believe the Lord. And so that process of going, and so new, the news of this, of what was going on in Antioch, the news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, which was now small because a lot of people left, but there's still the apostles were trying to minister there, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And so when this uh, he arrived in Antioch, he saw the grace of God had done. He saw what was taking place there. And he was glad, and he was encouraged them all, and remained true to the Lord for all their hearts, with all their hearts. And verse 24, and he was a good man, Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. We still use that phrasing today. How do we bring a person to the Lord? Coming to do that. We mean, how do we bring a person to come to believe in Christ? That's the phrasing we use. And then Barnabas was so impressed that he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, this is the fellow who later became Paul. And so he's going to Tarsus. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine uh, how long it took the church to begin to trust Saul? You know, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, we know. So we'll just keep close to the door in case we need to run when you come. <laughs> you know, been persecuted by him, jailed by him. Took the church a little while to say, yeah, that's okay. That's all right. So Barnabas went to Tarsus, where Saul's hometown was, and he got Saul. And when he found him, the Bible says, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians. First, at Antioch. Christians. Earlier, we know in the Bible, they were called, they were followers of the way. You know, they, were, they made their way, the followers of the way. But here is the first time they're called Christians made that example. Believers, in short, believers in the anointed one. That's really what it means. They're, they're followers of the anointed one. The one believing in the Messiah. It's not that we've just taken the last name of Jesus. It's not that Jesus is his first name and Christ is his last name. That's not how it is. It has great prophetic meaning. It has great symbolic meaning when in the word Christ, Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah, same word in Hebrew, Messiah, the anointed one of Christ. And when the Holy Spirit descended at the baptism, at Jesus' baptism, Behold, the Lamb of God, we saw that, and this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, and he was anointed by God, said, so he became, he was there, the Christ, he became, and when they gathered together, how can we know, and what can we gather from the Christians in Antioch? What can we gather from them? Now, this is important, or it would not be in the Bible, but here are some important things to know. To notice from this phrase that we found, this particular passage about the Christians that were living in Antioch. They were first called Christians because when they were persecuted, they took their faith with them. Remember we read earlier they have been scattered. Persecution is scattered. 
So when these Christians left and fled, they went to these different places and took with them their faith with them. It still was illegal to be a Christian. You could either be worship the emperor in Rome or you could be a Jew. Only two religions allowed. This offshoot, Christianity, was not allowed and led to persecution later on, which Tertullian was very familiar with. So when they went, when they scattered, they understood that was part of them. And if we were looking in Scripture and looking in the book of Acts, that these folks did not pray for protection. They prayed that they would speak boldly. And so these Christians went out as they went to these different places, escaping persecution, and what went with them was the gospel of Christ and began to be spread. Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And that still is in our DNA, still is in part of what we are to do, to take the gospel to the kingdom around. We're to take it to the world and make it spread. Christians are supposed to carry the message of Christ with them. And so these, when these early Christians left, when they went, they shared their faith about Jesus wherever they went. It was part of them because they knew what Christ had done for them. Many of them that went had been there at the cross. Many of them knew the story firsthand. Many of them knew the apostles firsthand. They knew what was going. They knew what was going. Many of them knew and understood about Stephen and knew him. And so as they left, they carried with them in their hearts the urgency, the urgency to share Jesus with others. One, because they thought he was soon returning and be coming back. I would like to suggest to you that what we see there is the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life. Not the average Christian life. It's not the average. It's not what we just take everybody's experience and kind of try to find the mean. No. And we would not say that it was the, not the nominal Christian. If you just make, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, there, there are a lot of people in the world who say they're a Christian. Don't have a clue what it's about. Just knew, well, that's, our family's always been Protestant or Catholic, and I really don't know. So I just, yeah, I'm a Christian, and go on. That's not what the Bible is talking about, not what we saw. The normal Christian life, the normal Christian life is one that advances the mission of Christ. That's what the normal Christian life is. And so it challenges me to say, (laughs) am I living the normal Christian life? Am I living the kind of life that we saw? Am I living the kind of life that those early believers had when they shared the gospel of Jesus and his love with others? Is that my experience? Because that was what was normal happening when the people were first called Christians. That's what was normally happening in their lives. They understood that as a believer in Christ, You had a mission, and that mission was to share Jesus wherever you went. So a careful reading of the book of Acts, if you're carefully reading the book of Acts and look through it, you find that they couldn't help share the saving story of Jesus. That was the mark of what they were. 
That was the mark of how it happened. So normal for them was always following the ministry of Jesus. Always doing that. So what's the ministry fair? Okay, I'm going to ask those of you who have been working outside and preparing this, if you would just, who have been out there getting these tables ready, if you would just get up and slip out here, because I'm going to talk about you after you're gone. So just, just get up. If you're one of those out there, you just get, get out of here. We'll talk to you later. Just go ahead and just slip out of here. Thank you very much. We will talk to you later. I'm sure the doors are shut when you get out there. Okay, they're gone. So what is the ministry fair? What is the ministry fair about? It's allowing God's gifts. It's allowing God's gifts. Find a place that has a place in the ministry of the church. Here's what I have come to understand in all my years of ministry. That God places within the church within our church family, the gifts that he needs to do and accomplish his mission. And each one has a part in that. Now, normally, in the world we live in, there's what we call the nominating committee. Now, the nominating committee is selected and it's put together to nominate leaders for the church. They're called officers or whatever. They're leaders to try, and they go out and they search for them and they try to find them. And so we try to find people who we think might might work. Well, maybe not. Uh, so the nominating committee usually has a time and a task and it drags on forever and ever, uh, trying to find those who could have a part in that, to go with that. So our nominating committee was together, you know, having a little lively discussion about how we could make our nominating committee process and asking of people. And this kind of rose up and, and part of them saying, well, I just can't take this anymore. Oh, this is just so confusing and such a difference. And blah, 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 on and on and on and on it goes. And finally, someone suggested that there might be a way to find a better way to do it. <laughs> to find a better way. And so then came the great idea that came up. says, why not let people do what they want to do? Wow. That's kind of a revolutionary idea. Did you know that in the early church, talking about the apostolic church, but even after that, the people responded to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and did and led and went where they went. It was fabulous. Well, years ago, and maybe not that long ago, um, we were having a ministry fair type of idea in another church that I was in. And this lady, maybe some of you have heard me tell this story before, but uh, the transportation ministry, this young lady came up to me and she said, Pastor, I would like to start a transportation ministry. This church was in Garden Grove, California. Now, Garden Grove, California is now not too far from Disneyland. 
And there's just people everywhere. And she said, we need a transportation ministry to help people get to the church. Now, here's my attitude. The last thing we need in our community is more transportation. There are more cars in Southern California than there are people, I understand. Besides, there's a bus stop right in front of the church. Right there, out out front. People can get on and off, get all over Southern California with a bus system. We didn't need that. But I said, all right, you think? I said, oh, I think God wants me to do that. I said, okay, go ahead, go ahead. And you go ahead and do your thing. So she went ahead and did her thing. At the In about nine months later, I baptized four people from her transportation ministry. And I realized if I had not let her do that, I would have been blocking God's ministry. Now, who gave her that idea to have a transportation ministry to a church where there's so many cars? I believe it was the Holy Spirit had reached out and touched into her life and speaking. And I was the kind of guy who was kind of, no, we don't need that. We did. And those two, two of the ladies who were baptized, they started a breakfast ministry. And they went on. Well, years ago, I was called to, and this man called me up on the phone when I said, Pastor, I want you to come see me. He was an older gentleman in our church, and he had been sick, and I went over to see him, and uh, he was, no one has ever called me, no one's ever talking to me, I'm sitting here all alone, blah, 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 on and on and on. Boy, talk about down in the cellar eating worms. You know, he was just, just really, and what's the matter with my church family, blah, 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 blah. And I listened to him for a while, and I said, well, John, um, hmm. how many people are you contacting? Well, well, none. Oh, I said, are you, you can't use your phone? Well, yeah, I called you. Uh huh. And are you able to write? Oh, yeah. I said, how about this? There are people like you in the church and around. How about... I give you cards and stamps and addresses, and if you would take on a ministry of writing to them, encouraging words to them and include them, how would you like to do that? Oh, I could do that. So what he started was his writing ministry, and he started writing these things to people and sending notes out to them and making phone calls of being encouraged. Sour grapes turned into a man of encouragement. And he started calling them around and going around. And sure enough, pretty soon, and I talked to him about four weeks later, and I said, how's it going? He says, oh, I can't believe I've got all these new friends, and I'm helping these people, and they're all excited, and I'm happy to have Send me some more dresses and some more stamps. Hmm? What if? What if, what if we were to do something like that? What if we were to do that? What if we were to make that happen? Ken, um, um, Ken, I would like these doors open. These doors, not those. These doors. Yeah, these doors. Thank you. What if we were to have people respond to what the Holy Spirit is leading them? What would they do? 
how would that be? So here it is. This is our ministry fair day. Outside, when you leave, see if you can find your niche. See if you can find your place. There are golden opportunities for you. And if you say, well, I don't see particularly one that I'd like to do, well, tell us what you'd like to do because you may have a transportation ministry type ID that would work to advance the cause of Christ. Okay? Dear Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to serve and to be part of your mission. Be with us, Lord, as we participate. In Jesus' name, amen.